Hello again, and welcome to the Red Dwarf intro cast, where, not surprisingly, uh, given the title, we talk about Red Dwarf, episode by episode. That's right, long-time fans and newbies alike journey together into the far reaches of space on the mining ship Red Dwarf. And my name is Heath. I'm Angela. I'm Shane. I'm Alexander the Great's chief eunuch. You are. Indeed. And this is the wonderful Jay Hunter. Hi, Jay. Hello, Hello Jay. Hello, yeah. Mr. Wonderful. It's true. <laughs> uh, Jay it. is one of our earliest fans. We are glad to finally get a chance to talk with him. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, definitely. And uh, uh, hopefully Jay can school me on what a proper Irishman sounds like, uh, not Lucky the Leprechaun, <laughs> as... Uh, as in previous episodes. See, the problem with uh, Lucky is he's actually a Polish midget. So, ah, well, that makes sense. <laughs> wow. Uh, let's see. This episode, we are talking about season three, episode two, Marooned, and uh, Shane is going to tell us what Maroon, uh, Marooned is all about. I certainly will, Heath. The Red Wolf crew abandon ship as Red Wolf approaches black holes. Rimmer and Lister find themselves marooned on a nice planet when Starbug is struck by a meteorite, where the only firewood is Rimmer's possessions and the only food they have is dog food and a pot noodle. Nice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, before we get into it, uh, Jay, do you want to tell us where else we might uh, hear you on the interwebs? Ah, oh, sounds good. I'm glad you asked. Well, I am the host of OSW Review, which is an old-school wrestling video podcast. So it's me and a couple of, what, 20-plus-year-old wrestling fans. Um, yeah, we review old wrestling pay-per-views from the 80s, and we set it to video footage of the show. So it's uh, we're the world's first wrestling podcaster. So how about that? Um, so I'm also uh, in two camps. One of them is I'm a Paul York guy, and also we're... Uh, what you'd really want is we want more Shane on the podcast site. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Oh, so there are fan uh, divisions for. <laughs> yeah, we have a little flag and marquee and everything. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> nice. So, so how much hate has been coming my way? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and we can talk about that. Uh, yeah. Because I think people will be sort of surprised by by how things have turned out with all of that. So the the feedback section this week will be really really great. Um, I think it's I think it's quite important to yeah we might as well talk about the elephant in the room that's wearing like a large wooden sign chained around its neck that says <laughs> two out of ten for backwards. Are you calling me an elephant? <laughs> Way to turn that around. <laughs> Diversionary. Nicely I, I will go out and say yes. Yes, because you gave it 2 out of 10. I don't care about the ramifications. I do not I'm apologize. So sorry. Oh. I'm so sorry. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's go ahead. Before we even talk about Marooned, we will talk about uh, the only font in the room. So, here's the thing this is my theory. I think that backwards, uh, it's described often as a fan favorite, and uh, but I tend to think, as I said last week, that a lot of people did not view Red Dwarf in order. Uh, they saw it, you know, just hodgepodge and in re-airings and 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 whatnot. And so by the time they got around to watching backward, 
they had already met Crichton 2.0, they were used to female Holly Hilly, um, all these things, they weren't really issues. Us, we had just gotten used to the series, and we had really started liking Season 2. I was looking forward to a new character with Crichton, and then all of a sudden, well, yeah, you get Crichton, but it's a different guy, Holly's a different person, all these changes are happening, we're going to literally fast-forward past them, <laughs> and throw it into a gimmick episode where there's very little dialogue between the characters or character development. So here we were, wondering, okay, what the hell just happened, and why are we watching a gimmick episode? So if 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 we had seen maybe um and again we're double recording this week so we've already seen episode 3. My theory is that if we had seen uh polymorph then marooned and then backwards we would have liked it a lot more. Mhm. We would have been in the mood for something funny after marooned uh which had a little bit more serious moment not that it wasn't funny but it had some serious moments. We would have gotten to know the new characters and understand the changes a bit more and we wouldn't have been just left with this sense of okay what the hell has happened and why aren't they on the ship and and what's going on with the show so there's my theory and that if if you were viewing backwards from the point of view of having already seen more and and knew what was going on you wouldn't have been nearly as bothered by it as we were I actually think that this is probably the most important part of the show is hearing your initial reactions because it's something myself or Shane or Paul can't do and that's kind of unlearn all of what we know about Red Dwarf. Mm -hmm. So getting your initial true you know, opinions of it is <coughs> really important. You can always revisit it down the line and see how different it is or if it's the same, which would be yeah, very sad. Yeah. I mean, I, well, you know, I still don't think that I would, it would have been one of my favorite episodes because, um, you know, how we watch things, we tend to like the more character and dramatic-y stuff instead of the straight-up comedy. But, you know, we like the comedy, and I think I would have liked it a lot more um, had I seen it after seeing more if, in the future, if that makes sense. So, okay, we had some folks on the site that were like, oh, are they going to give up on the show <laughs> altogether, and why? You know, no, no. Yeah, Paul we're so, we're in for Oh yes, we're in for the long haul here. I was kind of worried um, as well. I, I read Paul had this post, and I was like, "What if he's right?" Yeah. <laughs> no, no. He's yeah. gonna make yeah, the this rest like the of this next seven series very uncomfortable. <laughs> and I don't uh, get that... how anyone could have seen Marooned and think that I would not have loved it. Oh, I was waiting to come on the podcast to throw it in your face. It's like, yeah, come on. <laughs> I do not apologize yeah. for not liking backwards. Um, I do not feel bad about loving Marooned. There, I spoiled it. I love Marooned. <laughs> <laughs> we both did, actually, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, if, that's if, great. Really? <laughs> do you know what? Yeah. What? Oh, are we, are we Maroon is your least favorite episode. Are we gonna go into the episode now, or are we gonna just carry on with the um, depending ourselves thing? Yeah, let's let's get yeah. to the episode. Anyway, yeah, this was mainly just to to reassure people <laughs> right. that that think that we hate the series and we're giving up on it. No, yeah. no, we disliked one episode, and I think that there are legitimate reasons for for it. And that looking at it from a different point of view, we might have had a different reaction later on. But anyway. And every yeah, so series, every series that we watch, there are some clunkers. 
And a lot of times fans disagree on which are the clunkers. You know? Yeah. There's even some Buffy episodes that I'm like, that's my favorite episode ever. And other people are like, God, how could they even make that? <laughs> and, yeah, it happens. But anyway, Maroon. Uh, All right. What about Cryanu Reeves? <laughs> <laughs> Cryanu Reeves. Right. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I, there were exactly two likes from the 32 views that Criano Reeves got there. I, I, was I worked like, hard I was on that great. photoshopping. His eyes were so <laughs> creepy, though. <laughs> like staring into your yeah. soul. Man, when I saw that, when I was listening to your podcast last week, all I could think of was like, when you were attacking Croydon, it's like, tantamount of like, someone telling you that they hate one of your kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, but... Uh, see, and I would just ask you to watch the episode backwards, pretending that you've never met or never seen Crichton before, and try to get an idea of who he is and why he's there. Mm-hmm. You really can't. So yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, shocked, um, shocked about uh, your love for David Ross as well. But understandable. David Ross okay. sucked. Yeah, he did. He did yeah, I hate him so much. Just terrible. Just molecule ma- molecule mind. Barbecue bread? Oh, get out. Get off. Stop. He's killing me here. I don't think he'd ever fit in with the dwarfers, really. See, I, I thought it was a neat deconstruction of a type. But uh, but again, that's neither here nor there. David Ross is not going to be Crichton ever again, so I may as well get used to that. Okay, well, so, Marooned. After ten minutes, we will start talking about Marooned. Right, I will, I will um, start off by saying, as much love as I have for Robert Llewellyn's Crichton... He sucked in this episode. <laughs> yeah, well, he was hardly in this episode. He, 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 he had about... He had, like, five lines all together, and he mm-hmm. sounded so wooden. Mm. Or oh. metal. Or metallic. <laughs> yeah, it beat me to it. Well, it oh, was, he was horrific. Yeah. I don't know what he was... He was still trying just a generic robot in space. Mm. It was it was unbelievable. It was re- We bought food and supplies. It was, oh, my God. There's no personality to this guy. It was uh, his like, worst midget, acting he's ever. Ready. <laughs> That's all I... <laughs> it's like, the blue midget is ready. <laughs> he's a good actor. I don't know what happened in this episode. It was the first one. It was... Uh, yeah. Marooned is the, was the first episode from Series 3 that was filmed. Mm. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. They didn't know his character yet. <laughs> no. Yeah, sure Robin that's okay. Had a word Neither him. did we. <laughs> so. Well, he wasn't given yeah, given yeah. any lines. Like, how can you get to know yeah, a character? And you know, th- this is sort of. We'll we'll discuss him more in polymorph. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, so we have our new opening again. Apparently, that's sticking around, and uh, they begin by abandoning the ship. Which at least they were on the ship yep. um, <laughs> for for a few minutes. I liked that. Um, this podcast needs more Shane. Where's Shane? Hello, I'm still here. <laughs> Shane. Yeah, okay, so there's there's like a sub fan group that that gets onto Shane for lapsing into long periods of silence. <laughs> I've heard there is. Yeah, is that what I'm understanding? <laughs> Can I ask Shane? Do you have any notes on the opening scene of this episode? The opening scene. Um, I have. I I I I watched I re-watched, <laughs> watched Marooned three times in the past week. Still no Shane. <laughs> awesome. and, but I will not say anything because I know you want Shane, and not me. Even though you said you were a Paul York guy, so 
I'm gonna cry. <laughs> well, if you want to, if you want to say it, maybe it's a different story than what I've got. I just saw a little, what looked like a botch, in the episode, because it panned across, and then you saw the windows, and the windows were distinctly grey, with nothing there. But. That was yeah. my. Well, maybe maybe they're two-way windows, like like the two-way mirrors on the cop shows. Ooh. Yeah, no, but def- if, no, if it was that way, then you won't be able to see out while driving. No, you you can see out of a two-way window. Well, okay, probably not. There's no justified here. There is a uh, that what you were saying. It definitely is a botch, actually, because if you if you watch the episode back, at the edges, it's quite fuzzy. Like they're about they were going to perform. Screen. Sp- well, we're going to put a C- mm-hmm. CSO, color separation overlay. Mm. But I did like that well, effect I will s- of them crashing. It was mm. fantastic. Uh, I mean, good practical model work, mm. and and you can't beat that. Hold on, are we talking about the Starbuck crashing? Or Cause I'm on about oh, Red I thought Bar- you were talking Bar- about the crash scene. I'm talking no, about we're, Red we're, right no, we're talking about right at the start of the episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I really just had a quick that. point about that. Is that Maroons actually is not the original name of the episode? It was actually Men of Honor. It certainly was. Yeah, and they shortened it down. And that there was actually sense. a deleted scene, which was the alternative opening to the episode, and it's it's pretty random. It's where the guys play strip poker. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. And so we actually nice. see a nude version of Crichton, and Ew. yeah, it, it looks the same except it's kind of painted pink. I don't mind that they cut it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, when you uh, when you see the scene, which I will post up when the epi- this episode is uploaded, um, you'll see why they cut it. The visual effects are completely awful. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty <laughs> sad. Yeah. And Holly comes in and she just interrupts and she says, "I forgot what I wanted to say," and then abandon ship. And it's like it goes on far too long. Mm. Like it's like mm-hmm. thirty seconds of "Come on, mm. come on," you know. Oh, and Holly, let's talk about Holly. Okay. I, as much as, okay, I I loved Holly one a lot. Mm-hmm. I will say in her defense that Holly two here is doing a bang up job of getting the the mannerisms and and intonations of Holly. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if she develops like a new character of her own or just continues along with the impression of of the original. But um, if that's what she's doing, she's doing it really, really well. Interesting you talk about Holly, actually, because when this episode was written, they still had... um, they hadn't replaced Norman Lovett yet. Mm -hmm. So it was actually written for Norman Lovett's Holly. Okay, that makes sense. And, uh, (laughs) yes... But she delivered the lines really well. Well, it was actually it yeah. was, Well, the episode was slightly rewritten. Mm. Because there was uh, that was um, a lot of things like a senile old git, and worse to that effect in the script, mm. especially right at mm. the end, which we'll get to. Um, according to an interview with Hattie Havridge, I I kept saying, "Do you mind if you change this? I don't mind being insulted as long as it's accurate." <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah. So after the Awuga Awugas, they are having to abandon the ship mm-hmm. uh, due to a black hole invasion. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. Oh yes, the Rimmer's lovely, lovely uh, camphor wood trunk. Mm-hmm. Um, Javanese camphor wood. 
Ga- this Japanese camera. No, Javanese. 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 Like, oh, from okay. Java. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I, I never, I couldn't hear on the episode, so that's good. With all of yeah, I tried the Google search. I, I actually tried Google searching Japanese camp work just to see how valuable it is, and it's all just red dwarf stuff. That I, yeah. All <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sort of like the Norwegian blue parrot, huh? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, can I ask you? Is there any like we know why they did it storyline wise, but is there any kayfabe reason why they left on separate ships? Um, you're going to have to explain to Heath and Angela what kayfabe means. <laughs> okay. Um, You've got a wrestling well, head on. Yes, we certainly have. <laughs> All right. Uh, kayfabe is a carny term from the early 1900s. It's it's like it's kind of like pig Latin, I guess. It actually is an alternative mm-hmm. way of saying the word fake. So you're adding yeah. a at the end. So fa- a, so kayfabe. Anyway, it just means um, keeping as if the show was absolutely real. So mm. um, right. It, it, in universe is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Canon. Yeah. I exactly, kind of. Okay. Can I tell you why I reckon um, they went on separate ships? Because yeah. Kat was taking ten full-length dress mirrors <laughs> plus his well. racks of clothes. So they had no more room on the blue midget, so Rimmer and Lister had to take the Starbuck. And then, let's see, if, if we're going to try and justify, uh, one, um, Crichton needed uh, flight experience since he's been working so hard to get his license, apparently. Yeah. Uh, two, if something the worst were to happen and the Red Dwarf weren't there, then having two ships full of supplies would put them in better stead than just one. Um, what else can we say? Uh, what just happened. Like, if one of them crashes, then the other can oh, yeah. save them. Good point. So yeah, justified. Indeed. <laughs> oh, let's see. Oh, Paul, do you drink Newcastle Brown Ale? I do. And do you ever stitch people called Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> no. Now, Heath and Angela, I don't know if you know the term, but to stitch someone means to... Stab them, them with the glass bottle. <laughs> ah. ah. Yeah. Yeah, you'll find that uh, you know uh, some we will try and look up and understand, sure. but a lot of times we will just sort of gloss over the phrases that we don't catch. Yeah, and that's okay. So Napoleon again with the Napoleon thing. Mm-hmm. That's one nice bit of continuity that I picked mm-hmm. up on really, really early was was Rimmer's obsession with Napoleon. Uh, and, and so this would explain why, then, these figurines, that they're sort of symbolic of his relationship with his father. Yeah, and that's why this episode is so great. The humor comes from these specific characters playing off each other in very specific ways. Like, no other characters could have had these conversations. Mm-hmm. And it was brilliant. In contrast to backwards is what you're saying. Yes, we know. <laughs> Yeah, but it was brilliant. It really, really was. It just drew me in, and technically it was, they're sitting in a room, in a very depressing room, and talking, but it just had me entranced. I stopped taking notes. It was just Mm. brilliant. Mm -hmm. Did you notice anything about the camera work? No. It was a bit shoddy. Um... (laughs) 
uh, he not really because since most of the well, first off, you know, aside from the crash and the model, th- I thought that the crash was brilliant, but that was special effects model work. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, most of the episode was single room, two people talking, so it didn't require very complicated camera work. So I don't guess I noticed anything unusual about it. It was all done with handheld cameras. Ah, really? Pretty realism. Mm. Nice. Everyth- everything inside Starbuck was done with handhelds. They had five handheld cameras. Wow. At least and they didn't t- do the shaky cam. That's annoying. <laughs> wait, till you see, wait till you see the smegos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I actually have written down here, yay, they are together in a small space. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I... F- this must be like an American writer's nightmare. Just two characters. You don't go anywhere. You don't do anything. You sit down and you have a chat for half an hour. It depends on the writer. Yep. Uh, you know, a lot of pe- a lot of people coming from stage. That's that's like the ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I thought that season two. That's where they were at their strongest. Was when it was just character on character interaction. And yeah, that this situation was forcing them back to that. And I was I was I was very happy. And I think we get some much better acting from Lister this time around. Mm. Yes. Mm. I've I've never disliked his acting, but I've always thought that Rimmer outshined him quite a bit uh, in in general. Uh, and maybe that's because of the the writing to some degree. But I always thought that he did a little bit more with his character. But um, Lister, yeah, Craig Charles really pours it on this time. And uh, when he's talking about his uh, his relationship with his guitar, mm-hmm. I, I believed him. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig Charles even admits that himself, to be honest with you. Does he? He admits that he, uh, his ability was much better than when he first took on the role of Lister. Mm-hmm. Neat. Uh, Do you guys find it a bit weird that it was when Holly was navigating Red Dwarf through the black holes that, you know, Holly wasn't on any of the ships, so there was no one there to warn Rimmer and Lester about the flaming meteorite? It just pointed. Drive it themselves. It just pointed at the meteor. It just pointed, (laughs) and Lister didn't turn around. I don't know why. uh, What's that? Why didn't you say that? I would have interrupted. Is it look? There's a big fiery thing coming towards us. Look. Also, it's interesting that uh, that the meteor and the ship were um, flaming in the vacuum of space, yeah. <laughs> and it it caused absolutely no damage to the ship, apart from hitting into a snow planet, which probably put out the flames, and <laughs> yeah, it just dug in deep. No dent. The space flames again. Yeah. The space flames, because there can be fire in space, yes. Mm. You just gotta go with it. Just roll with it, accept it, and move on. <laughs> well, the Starbug <laughs> is a very well-built ship. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that you like the model shots. I really did. Uh, you know, CGI is great, but, you know, especially when they were trying the green screen uh, stuff in, in 80s television, it would always end up looking a bit a bit fake here and there. And I, I love, you know, I love uh, Return of the Jedi Yoda much more than I did uh, prequel Yoda, and not just because the prequels uh, stank in general, <laughs> uh, but he, he looked real. He had a physical, visceral presence that, that uh, computers and special effects can't uh, quite emulate. 
So I love good model work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the episode is actually, um, I suppose you can say it, written in reverse. As in, mm-hmm. the writers went to the visual effects department and said, what can you do? What's easiest for you to do? Cool. Oh, and they were like, oh, we can do really, really good snow. <laughs> so nice. they wrote the snow into the script instead of it being the other way around. Nice. Well, it really worked. And so after they... Cr- it, it created uh, conflict. Like, they had to keep yeah. uh, Lister warm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so after they crash on Hoth and <laughs> Lister gets uh, attacked by a wampa, <laughs> uh, he comes back to the ship. Before we even g- before yes, we so get there, I've got another mm-hmm. I've got another little anecdote for you. I love anecdotes. And anecdotes. You know <laughs> and and <laughs> you know that don't work. <laughs> that doesn't quite work, does it? Um, do you know when he's trying to get out the ship? Mm-hmm. Yes. And he. And he falls down. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that. Um, that was a mistake. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> that wasn't written. Nope. Whenever no, it wasn't written, when I thought it wasn't was written quite in the oh, way. <laughs> yeah. Cause basically, what happened was that, um, as I'm looking at on my notes in front of me here, uh, the fan that they were using was so strong, it was actually causing 60 to <laughs> 70 mile an hour gusts. Nice. <laughs> Again, <laughs> reckless endangerment of actors. <laughs> and Indeed. The s- and the snow they used was... Oh, take, take, I'm actually... Take a guess what they used for snow. Mm. Oh, I've never any idea Mm-mm. with that. Uh, let's see. We'll say a uh, cornstarch foam mix uh, with glue in it. How about that? Not quite. Not quite. It was soap flakes. Mhm. Oh yeah. Okay. That's classic. And of course, uh, Craig Charles is out there, so he's getting covered in snow flakes. So the night at the the uh, night after the recording in the pub, the beer never tasted quite the same. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, did you guys care for their kind of winter attire? Their with their red dwarf logo on it. Yeah, I actually have a note here that I I thought that the new red dwarf logo with the big circle I think it uh, may be a bit much. Yeah, um, feels like it's advertising. I, I kind of liked. Yeah, yeah, but you know, um, uh, that didn't bother me or anything. I just think, yeah, that's a big goofy logo. I mean, it's, it seemed a bit oversized. I don't know, but you can say that it's like the company attire, but. Are they working for the Red Dwarf Company, or is that just a ship that works for the mining company? See, that that's what confused me about it. I think Red Dwarf has to be just the name of the ship, and the name of the mining company was given at one point, it's I want to say. It's a mining corporation. Uh, or JMC yes. for short. I However, have, cause I, have a, I have a logo of the JMC thing as my wallpaper. I've just minimized all my windows. He oh. says Red Dwarf, Jupiter Mining Corporation. However, nice. however, if you go back to the original Star Trek, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> yeah. um, each ship had their own insignia, didn't they? No, well, this isn't not Star Trek, really. 
I in the vision of Star Trek. Used to j- just seeing the uh, the Federation logo. Well, it wasn't it, on, it u- was, on uniforms. It was, um, no, the uh, in the vision of Star Trek series, uh, the Federation symbol, as you say, the upside, mm-hmm. the arrow pointing upwards, was actually just the Enterprise symbol. My goodness, I am going into Star Trek geek <laughs> overload. I do apologize. And <coughs> then why is it the same symbol that everybody has in? I mean, every uniform has in future ep- uh, series. Because they changed it. But if you go back to the original, huh? Mm. Uh, um, the original series, you know, Je- Captain James T. Kirk, every ship had their own distinct symbol on the shirt. And it's kind of like Red Dwarf, where each ship okay. has their own uniform. Mm. I did not know that. So, Heath, Angela, do you guys have topic bars in America? Topic bars? Topic bars? Apparently not. Yeah, they're well, mentioned candy, on the show. It's, it's a British candy bar. Oh, no. It's like we don't have a... <coughs> So we don't get Twinkies over here, but I've seen them. Um, do you guys have like Snickers bars? We do. Yes. They have okay, better so Snickers kind of like than that. we do. Oh, okay. Jay, they have better Snickers than we do. <laughs> do you mean they're made differently? No, they have better. They have like, you know how we, over here we have Snickers regular, and then Snickers <laughs> Duo, and that's mm-hmm. it. They have like Snickers Square. Um, Snickers dark chocolate. <laughs> they have. I I, I I went on this website which just deals with the because there's a cereal over in America that I really 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 like and I buy it all the time called Apple Jacks. What cereal? Apple Jacks. Oh, Apple Jacks are good. They're they're the yeah. best cereal ever made. Um, Even better than Lucky Charms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Although they've started selling um, Fruit Loops over here now. Yeah, Fruit Loops. Uh, Apple Jacks are like you know one f- one kind of Fruit Loop replicated a thousand thousand times over. Yeah, but Apple Jacks are better, tastier. Mm. I like them. Yeah, like but we've recently um, gotten yeah, Weetabix we're, we're over here. High five! They're yes, amazing. Weetabix. Have you tried them warm? We have. have you tried them tried warm. Yeah, actually. Yeah. No, we tried them warm. I have. I don't think Angela has. Stick them in the microwave for a couple of seconds. With milk and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yummy. We we tried Weetabix after uh, the act- uh, Ivana Lynch, the actress that played Luna Lovegood, mentioned them, and I said, "Well, that sounds quirky." And then we saw them at the store, and I was like, "Okay, we have to try these now." Luna Lovegood said, "We have to eat Weetabix." Because we're nerds. Because so. we're nerds. Okay. Enough about cereal. Let's get back to Red, <laughs> red <laughs> Um There's gonna be a lot of food okay. talk. I'm sorry. What was that? We're going to be a lot of Oh, yeah, a lot of food. Talk. Yes. Yes. Um, so, it's going to be hard to actually discuss the episode at this point because they just have really long conversations about their families and their fathers and leadership and war and cowardice. And, uh, and I have, like, a few fantastic. odd notes. And then I just wrote here, where the hell was this the last episode? <laughs> um, can, I, can I ask and then you to fight you? In 20 years in the past. Yes, yes. They knew. Angela. <laughs> yes. Angela. Yes. I need to ask you something. Did you cheat and watch this episode before we recorded it backwards? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Because I just find it no. uncanny that um, you said you'd like... you you During the recording last week, you, you said you wanted to see more interaction between Lister and Rimmer and stuff like that. And the yeah. very next episode, 
it's all there is. It's just interaction between Lister and Rimmer. Uh, I call shenanigans. For the oh, record, no. I no never cheat. Okay. Never, ever, no. ever. Now, this this episode, as we've said, we're doing a double recording today, so we have seen 203 when we're talking, or 303 when we're talking about 302. Yeah. So we've seen Polymorph, but y'all know that. But no, generally speaking, we never watch ahead. Nope. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, in fact, after the last episode, after we watched backwards, we just sort of looked at each other and we were like, is this going to be how every episode is? Because we <laughs> moved, they talked before and we missed that. And, yeah. So we were really, really glad to see this episode. <laughs> um, and then we get how Rimmer romanticizes war and Alexander yeah. the Great and his lovely speech there, which I won't go into because I'm sure somebody's going to quote it. Which speech? Uh, Alexander the Great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Eunuch speech. <laughs> yeah. Um, and do you know what he told me? <laughs> yeah. I like his like uh, other, other speech is my, my quote, so... <laughs> cool. Did you hear we got another mention of Porky Roebuck, uh, Rimmer's uh, childhood friend? We did. Um, we actually heard about him in Queeg, um, if you remember, he was on the Space Scout survival course, and he was about to get eaten by cadets, and he thought Porky would save him, but he'd actually bagsied his right buttock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and this time around, he was saying that uh, uh, Porky Roebuck threw his shoes in the septic tank. One thing I noticed here as far as the model work, and I started to notice that Starbug, if you squint and turn your head a little bit, almost resembles a Firefly class ship. Mm-hmm. Oh, duh. <laughs> just slightly, you know, in the, you know, I guess the sort of bug theme that they have going on. I'm going to... Uh, Refrain from saying anything bad about Firefly. The next two. Hey, I'm, I'm not. I'm not commenting. Oh, oh wait, about Firefly or the Starbug? About Firefly. Oh, okay. I'm gonna try. Yeah. And no, then, I'm, I'm not. You know, I, I'm gonna try. And go full a whole podcast without mentioning Firefly once. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm. I'm not. Not meaning to get into a discussion of it. Just saying that that the Starbug with its insectile shape vaguely resembles the, the Serenity. Um, let's see. Now, Pot Noodle. Uh, yeah, this is American since food. we're talking... Food again. <laughs> yes, yeah, back to food, what we're good at. Um, now, a Pot Noodle, what, is that kind of like a ramen cup? Yeah, what, what's a it, pot it's, noodle? it's like a ramen cup, yeah. Cool. Okay. That was my guess. <laughs> there we go. Uh, ne- let's ne- see. Dog food. Dog food. It looked really, really real. Yeah. It was not real. Eh? It, it wasn't was real. actual dog food. No, no it wasn't. Jane. No, no it Jane. Wasn't. What was the what was the dog food made of? It wasn't dog food. <laughs> it was no, it was not dog food. It was tuna in meat jelly. Nice. Well, actually, that pretty much is dog food. <laughs> <laughs> basically, What's you um, the marrowbone jelly on top. Oh. Yeah. Was actually. Um, jelly taken from the inside of a spam can which is quite nice right mm. oh man yeah I like indeed. spam 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 I like spam, spam, I like spam, spam. the food not spam the email stuff <laughs> <laughs> yes. which they, ha- they have no connection to each other I should say that now um, 
And also, um, I'm going to just try to find that in my notes again. I've got tons of notes it here. It was tuna. I just wanted to mention, just while we're waiting here, is that the there was just amazing, just sublime camera work for Lister eating the dog food. Yes. Because the camera was at, like, fist height, and it kind of raises up to Lister's mouth as he's moving. And just in the background, you can see Rimmer with, a, like, a contorted expression mm -hmm. of, like, yeah. horror and disgust on his face. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. I'll go back to the dog food thing in a second. Um if you watch that sequence very, very closely, there is literally centimetres between the fork and the camera. Mm. Nice. It, they are so tight. If, it, if the camera was any closer, it would actually be touching the fork. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. Well, right, it, it looked very dog food-like. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? If you were about to eat something that you wouldn't like, would you get a huge, massive forkful, or would you just get this tiny little bit, just to test it first, to see if it's nice? Nah, see, it's like ripping off a band-aid. You want to get that done really, really quickly. quickly. You don't want to taste it and draw out the flavor. You want to shove as much in there as you can and then just get it yeah, done. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Um, I did this, uh, that was the Alka-Seltzer method. You don't want to sip Alka-Seltzer. Now, you kill that stuff so that it's in your mouth as little time as mm -hmm. possible. All right, I never thought about it like that. Right, right let's move on. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, actually, I actually have in my notes here, the badge is a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. Um, <laughs> and, so at, and then at one point in the episode when they're... When I see the fire there, I have, ah, the fire and Rimmer's most prized possessions. So I sort of <laughs> saw where that was going. I did not. Um, but I would like to say it, my top five Shakespeare plays that I would burn first before the others. Yes. Uh, number one would be The Winter's Tale, except for the scene where someone gets killed by a bear randomly. Another would be any all just all of the history plays that don't feature Hal or Richard the Third. And so I guess that would be two, three, and four. And I'm sorry, but Julius Caesar. Cannot wrong. cannot stand that play. Ugh just The Mark Antony speech alone is worth Julius Caesar. I will keep that one page. I've only read three Shakespeare plays. I'm quite thick. <laughs> and they're the classic ones you read in school. Yeah. Which ones are there? Which, well, which ones did you read, I should say? I did. Uh, I read Romeo and Juliet, Midsummer yeah. Night's Dream, mm -hmm. and Othello. Okay, different. Well, if you're going <laughs> to read three, those are good ones. <laughs> oh, different ones to me, then. Or different Someone, ones. Um, sorry. Uh, he's Angela, you guys are quite literary luminaries. Um, I hadn't looked it up, but do you guys know what what is on page 61 of Lolita? <laughs> I did not look that up. Well, oh. no, I didn't look that up. Um, and I guess it would depend on on the publication as well. Yeah. Whether it's a paperback or a hardback or... Yeah. Uh -oh. But, you know. Oh. No. Yeah. That's a messed up book anyway. I... I I know the scene that he's probably talking about, but 
for the ears of our listeners, I will not recount it. Because it's skeevy. Lolita, for the ones who don't know who've been living in a cave, um, it is a book about a pedophile. It's also a great literary work. I absolutely love that author, but it's also about a pedophile. And in a lot of your movie adaptations and whatnot, they age Lolita up to, you know, 16 or 17, or no. She was about 12. Maybe 11. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, <laughs> away from pedophilia, moving on. Uh, so, they uh, drop an interesting historical tidbit with the giant toupee to cover the ozone layer. <laughs> I like that. Um, and then Rimmer completely contradicts what we know of his sexual history. Because mm-hmm. I was under the impression that he had had sex exactly one time with Yvonne Magruder, March 16th from 7.31 p.m. to 7.43 p.m., counting the time it took to eat the pizza. Mm-hmm. That's true, but maybe it's he's talking about some kind of technicality was involved. Maybe... Maybe so. Maybe he didn't quite go all the way. Yeah. All right, well, we'll just Lolita this segment then. <laughs> yeah. And I was horrified too. Twelve? Uh, Twelve, Lister? Really? <laughs> Speaking of pedophilia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know there are early bloomers, but twelve. Um, oh, other books. Okay, y'all, y'all will have to tell us about this one, because okay. I've heard it referenced in something else. I want to say uh, Monty Python, but Biggles. Biggles learns to fly, and I think I've heard reference somewhere, Biggles calms his hair, just as a comedic example of, of a children's ed- educational book. Can, can y'all tell us about Biggles? Is that a thing? Uh, it's a children's book from, like, the thir- 1930s. Um, that you just read as a kid. This is it's quite innocent. It's lovely. Why not? Okay. So it's sort of like the British version of of Dick and Jane. Mm. Um, C-spot run. Yeah. Uh, Biggles was actually the nickname for James Biggleworth, a pilot and adventurer, as the title ca- title character and main hero of the Biggles Youth, a series of youth-oriented adventure books written by W. E. Jones. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah, he goes to France and has all different missions and stuff like that. Well, that sounds much better than Dick and yeah. Jane. <laughs> they just play with Spot. Not much to talk about there. Uh, apparently there were 98 big old books published. Wow. Is that more or less than Mr. Men? <laughs> of course, as we know, the British know how to do children's fiction. Heck Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see. Oh yeah, and I have in my notes. What are the odds that that was real dog food? It looked it, but it would be easy enough to fake. <laughs> so, so I go back to the Mr. Man thing that you were wondering for. They've done 49. How many? 49. Cool. 49. Uh, commencing in 1971. And now we are searching for firewood in the general vicinity yes. of the Starbucks. <laughs> And the burning Shakespeare book made me very sad. I know. Poor Shakespeare's face getting all burned. Him with. Mm. 
Oh, well. And then Lister. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? I said, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> and then Lister breaks out with his speech about his guitar, and wow. Mm-hmm. His guitar is, is his lifeline, and the only thing that hasn't abandoned him, and wow. He sold that scene. I, I was very impressed. It was really good, and it, it was really genuinely moving. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, so he, by burning his guitar, supposedly, earns Rimmer's respects as one heck of a regular guy. Uh. And the way that, Rim- oh my goodness, Rimmer actually gaining a respect for him like that and and I I mean it was very moving and of course he was just sitting there feeling ashamed because yeah I was watching Lister's face that entire time and you know his guitar speech was great but his facial expressions as he just sort of caves in on himself is just fantastic there And I, tot- I totally knew here, I wrote down, the camphor wood will have a distinctive smell. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. camphor. And again, Rimmer shows that he is not quick on the uptake. <laughs> Your guitar was made of camphor wood. <laughs> it must have been priceless. And that was my quote. It was an authentic Les Paul <laughs> copy. <laughs> Indeed. What was that? It was an authentic Les Paul copy. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Cryonu and Cat uh, show up. <laughs> and again, okay, that's what was in my notes. After my next episode, I will probably stop calling him Cryonu. But uh, in this episode, he was still Cryonu for me. He deserved it this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, and, we, and the salute. Yes. I love the Rimmer salute. Aww. I, I was very happy with the salute. We hadn't seen it in a while. Um, I don't recognize, and again, this may be a difference in uh, U.S. and uh, British military uh, traditions. I don't recognize the trumpet call Rimmer is making uh, as he burns Na- Napoleon's in the fire. Yeah. Mm. It was not taps. I know that. Yeah, no, it def- definitely wasn't taps. Uh, so, do do, uh, do any of you have any insight as to, as to what he may have been um, trumpeting? Uh, oh, that's a that's a that's a not him. It's a song called Last Post. Mm. It's just a um, you know salute to fallen soldiers. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. And there were never uh, any black holes uh, to yeah. begin with. Script. On the screen. Uh. <laughs> That's such Norman Lovett. Like, I can hear him saying it, even listening to Hattie instead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, she she really captures his mannerisms and whatnot, but I, I'll be interested to see, um, especially now that I know that this was written for him, I'll be inter- interested to see if they change Holly's character with her taking over the role or if she's just going to continue on, if they're just going to keep the same writing and have her deliver the lines as close to how old Hollywood is possible. Either way would be fine. I'm just curious. 
So I don't know. You can't really comment otherwise. Spoilers. I sort of want but, uh, uh, that actress to sort of form her own Holly. I, I just feel like it's not yeah. fair to the actress if she's just doing an impression exactly. of someone else the entire time. Exactly. For for the one-off episode where she she was literally female Holly, then it's one thing to say, okay, do as good an impression as you can. But if she's going to be a permanent cast member, she probably deserves the opportunity to expand the role. Although I absolutely agree with you. She is um, the female version of Holly, so she should be Holly, just with a different face, if that makes sense. Yeah, but to say, if, it's c- if, if, if she's broke, if she, in a vertical comments, has been created from the same core programming, wouldn't the two of them be almost identical anyway? Yeah, but what I'm uh. saying is the actress. Yeah. Like, she's sort of stuck as, oh, I'm just going to do an impression of Norman Lovett the entire time, mm. and I get to bring nothing to the table. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, Robert Llewellyn's made his own Crichton different from David Ross. Why can't Paddy Hayridge do this? Yeah, and, you know, eventually I'm sure we may get to meet Robert Llewellyn's Crichton. We didn't in his first two episodes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which is is more my complaint than than anything else. I don't dislike him, I just I haven't gotten to see the character yet and I'm really, really curious about it. Who knows? We might Um, see him in the next episode. (laughs) <laughs> Who knows indeed. Um, but yeah, so at this point, I wouldn't mind if they started making some minor alterations to Holly's character to to accommodate the new actress. Um, but for the time being, I think she's doing a bang-up job capturing the old character, and that's fine too. Um, and we end with Rimmer discovering that his case has been violated. Yeah. I love uh, this part. I love the the look on the, the yeah. shame on Lister's face when he went to the cupboard yeah. was I amazing. <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> it was like the the shocked realization, and then Lister getting his guitar and walking off. So sad. Open the so ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, so. Uh, well, let's let's look at some feedback. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we have Russ Greeno saying, Well, last time there wasn't enough Lister and Rimmer moments for Angela. This time they have the whole episode to themselves, so she better not complain about it. Smiley face. You know, we totally <laughs> thought about coming on, and Angela was like, They didn't do anything this episode. They just sat around and stared at each other. It was boring. There's no gimmick. God. <laughs> just to see. But no, after seeing some of our feedback, we decided to give her honest reaction very quickly. (laughs) Um, Sam Hyland says, Marooned is a great episode for character exploration, and the model work in this episode is some of the best this season. I agree, Sam. Uh, Very funny, too. I'll read Nick. Uh, Somebody want to read Nick? I'll read Nick. Uh, Some spoilers. Hopefully this will cheer Angela up. It did, in fact. It really did. 30 minutes of character-driven sitcom, wall-to-wall character development, quotes, and not what frame of video reversed. Be interested to see if either he or Angela pick up on Rimmer pressing the microphone button. No idea what he means. Uh, Also, would... uh, Also, who would prefer... uh, Sorry. Also, who would he prefer? uh, Cryon or the silly high-pitched Crichton we admittedly briefly see in this episode. Uh, 
To which my answer is, it wouldn't have mattered because he had virtually no presence in yeah. this episode. What Nick is referring to in the feedback when he's pre- pressing the microphone button. Mm-hmm. The yeah, I did notice there was a scene where Lister got really bad audio for a second, but I'm is that is that what he means? No, he's referring to the scene where uh, where Rimmer is doing the SOS call. You know, the Ash Wednesday, the Twelfth Tuesday, the May Day. Scene. Right. Oh yeah. And he's, he's wondering hologram. if yeah, he's wondering if you <gasps> guys are going to pick up if he presses the button. Wow, good point. Well, we will say that um, the computer console is programmed to react as though <laughs> the button was actually being pressed by a service hologram. Justified. Okay. And uh, he's been... Oh, Rimmer's been living like through a black hole or you know, very far away from Holly for six days. That doesn't matter either. Yeah. He doesn't need her to survive, apparently. Yep. Just, just, just accept it. Just push on. It's fine. Yes. Maybe there was enough. Uh, he just wanted enough energy uh, in Starbucks that could keep Rimmer alive. <laughs> Maybe. And that's why they couldn't like use the furnace in Red Dwarf <laughs> or in uh, Starbucks. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Caps says, "Hopefully, this will be the episode to bring you guys back." For me, this is a contender for the best Rep Red Dwarf episode ever. Jonathan, I tend I to agree. Too. Um, a brilliant two-hander. Well, it's true. Uh, a brilliant two-hander with some of the best and most memorable character moments the show has to offer. Two-hander. <laughs> Lister <laughs> and Rimmer. Yeah. Lister oh, and Rimmer. Okay. Gotcha. Also, just wanted to say, geez, excellent job by Jonathan Caps appearing uh, last week on the show. Did fantastic work, mate. Oh, he and did. I've got to thank him for the uh, shout-out as well on Indeed. the last. Yeah, you were, you would have heard it because you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have wanted to listen to the last Ganymede and Titan podcast because it was about series ten. Yeah. But he gave us a lovely shout out on the on the podcast, so thank you very much. Thank you. Indeed. Uh, oh, and uh, Jonathan agrees that uh, Crichton is a bit rubbish this episode um, because it was the first one uh, recorded and he hadn't cut his character down. Sam continues on about that. Uh, the sing-song Swedish accent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they talk more about Bag Crichton. Yeah. And, and then, then we get down to Ewan. Somebody want to read Ewan? Go on. Heath and Angela said they wanted more Lister and Rimmer interaction, and it, and it makes for a top-quality episode. It's nice to hear more of Rimmer's and Lister's backstory. Yes. Yes, it was. Um... And thank you all for the feedback, and we won't read all the various feedbacks we got um, after bashing the heck out of backwards, (laughs) Um, or the feedback that we got on my picture of Crichton merged with Keanu Reeves, Um, though I am rather proud of my uh, quick Photoshop work there. Shayna, you you were saying that uh, there was a lot of discussion over the Red Dwarf form uh, regarding the... Yes. Last episode. Could you perhaps summarize for us? Of course I can. Let me just bring it up for you a moment. I've actually got it up on my screen. So bear with me one moment. So were they understanding of Heath Majority and ma- point of view? Or was there you know, sharpening of knives and like flaming be, of pitchforks? To be honest with you, the majority of the people were actually on Angela's side on this. Yay! Yes. <laughs> I don't like those people no more. Well, everyone loves me. It's the thing. It it, it started 
um, basically said, I'm just quoting a few people saying, I am shocked that anyone could hate backwards. They hate backwards, shock. <laughs> um, and, a f and a few other um, non-family words which I won't <laughs> quote. Wow. Yeah. That, that was the first maybe three or four posts. Then f from then on in for the next... Could you like me with this, Jane? But seven or eight next seven or eight posts um, it's all almost all positive Aww. well that's nice can you link me Shane? and again uh, I will do after the show so again yeah I, I think a lot of it is perspective and that that coming back after getting to know the characters it might be a different experience but this is just watching all of season two and then this one and uh, I think the timing was wrong yeah for for that gimmick episode but anyway uh, anything else on feedback? No. Nope. Again, thank you all for, for the active discussion that we have had in the Facebook the last bit. Um, one other thing about feedback is we have our Christmas poll up. Uh, we're going to do a special Christmas episode with uh, one episode of something that uh, an, a Red Dwarf actor was on. Uh, and if you want to um, vote in that, you will need to be a member of our Facebook group, which why wouldn't you be anyway, because it's an awesome Facebook group called the Red Dwarf Introcast. <laughs> so far, it looks like the Robert Llewellyn, our favorite actor, uh, series is is in the lead by one. I just voted for Ghostwatch because it had ghosts ah. in the title. <laughs> um, I have not yay. voted because... I know nothing about any of them. <laughs> I like ghosts. There I'm you trying go. to push Blossom as hard as I can. I think I just found a sound bite. Okay. Um, so, uh, that's that's the feedback. And, uh, you know, we also... Uh, if you would like to send some feedback, what you can do is uh, get on the Facebook group and give us feedback. That would be awesome. Or you could email us at uh, the Red Dwarf Podcast. Uh, yeah, the Red Dwarf Podcast at gmail dot com. That's Gmail as in Gmail. Um, or you could uh, tweet at us on the Twitters, which is twitter.com slash Red Dwarf Intro. You could. Or you could uh, send your feedback on a ship that will get waylaid and crash into an ice planet and uh, the person that was supposed to deliver it will starve to death. So don't do that. Oh, and give us iTunes reviews. Jay has. I too. Be cool like Jay. <laughs> yes. We've finally gotten some iTunes reviews. Uh, uh, that was the feedback for this week. We also like to give a bit of feedback to uh, our fans and supporters. And, uh, you know, this week, let's, uh, let's give a shout-out to our good pal, Nutty Nuchas. Uh, let's have a listen. Wake up, go to work, work, come home, eat dinner, rot your brain out, go to bed, lather, rinse, repeat. Are you tired of an old humdrum life? Tired of things that just weigh you down and depress you? Wouldn't you rather just focus on things that are awesome? Tune into Nutty Bites. Find out what's awesome. Nutty Bites. Nimlast.org slash blog. 
Alright, so give uh, Nutty a listen sometime. So, it is time to rate this episode, and Jay, you are our honored guest, so why don't you go ahead and rate first? Huzzah! Well, I shall give this, um, it's my first ever 10 on 10. I get 10 topic bars for me. Um, it was just a sublime episode. It was just like a stage play. It was wonderful, just writing and acting and directing, just everything about it. Really, really personable. Just a joy to watch. Um, it was one of those episodes that further Rimmer and Lister's friendship as well. Like you saw Rimmer bearing his soul at like the end of Confidence and Paranoia and the whole Lisa Yates saga, uh, how that affected his whole persona. It's in Thanks for the Memory. It's just mm-hmm. another one of those. It's just as soon as I watched it, this is an instant classic. 10 on 10. Okay. I will go ahead and rate next and save some time. Uh, ditto. Um, all the stuff you just said. Yeah, that's that's why I'm going to give it a 10. It's, it's pure character development, and I love that. Uh, very refreshing after an episode with, with very little of that. Uh, so I will give it 10 out of 10 awugas. Awugas. I will go next to save space. Triple ditto on all of them. Oh, no, just just double oh, ditto. double ditto. So yeah. far. Uh, 10 out of 10 camphorwood guitars. Shane or Paul? Paul, do you want to go first? Um, I'm not going to follow the status quo. Um, it is a really, really good episode. I just... I know it's going to sound so petty and stuff, but Crichton let the episode down. (laughs) (laughs) For the three Um, sentences, okay. And I'm going to give it nine and a quarter Ascension Sundays out of ten. (laughs) Well, you just didn't understand the episode because you're British. Yeah. (laughs) I'll go for that. Ever because you voiced an opinion on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Touche. Oh. That's cool. Shane, what you, what you uh, To say space, I won't go into it too much, but I want to give it nine and a half, five quid book tokens. It's nice. A, uh, it's a great episode, and it really does hop back to the beginning of Red Dwarf, just the two of them in a room together. Nice. Cool. Okay, uh, well, those are our ratings, so let's move on to the quotes. Jake, would you like to go first? I feel I'm, I'm going to step on people's toes, so I'm going okay. to so, sidetrack around the big ones. And oh, get some don't steal ones mine. If you steal mine, I'm never talking to you ever again. <laughs> okay, well... Uh, this is amazing. Well, there's so many quotes in this, but uh, Rimmer says, "I used to play. Go- I used to play golf. I hate people who abuse the facilities. I hope you rake the sand in the back nicely before you left. That'd be a hell of a lie to get into, wouldn't it? Competition the next day, and your ball lands in Lister's buttock crevice. You need more than a niblick to get that one out." And then Lister replies, "Are you trying to say I've got a big bum?" It's just ah, oh, fantastic, and. Uh, Finish off the quote, man. If you're gonna huh? st- end with that, you gotta finish it off. You gotta finish off the quote. Do you want to finish me off? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Two for two, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Just set them up, knock them right down. Oh, oh, 
All right. I've only got... Uh, I have very few quotes, so I want to go next. Okay. Um, let's, Someone let's finish see. off that quote first! Oh. Are you trying to say I've got a big bum? It's like Volkswagen thing. It's like big, it's like two <laughs> badly parked Volkswagen. Volkswagens. Okay. Nice. That's going to come up really, really bad now. I liked, uh, well, the thing about a black hole, its main distinguishing feature is it's black. And the thing about space, the color of space, your basic space color, is it's black. So how are you supposed to see them? (laughs) I liked that. Okay, I'm going to go next. I've got one. Okay. Now... Can I and just say something? Yes. Me and you are falling out again. Okay. Because that was going to be my quote. Oh. Do not pick the literary quote when you have the <laughs> you know, literature major. She's got a point. You, you you knew the Shakespeare thing she was going to have to. <laughs> yes. Can I do mine? Fine. Abandon ship. Abandon ship. Black hole approaching. This is not a drill. This is a drill. <laughs> Abandon! Oh God! Never sirens burst. A wooga! A wooga! Abandon ship! <laughs> nice. Right, Paul. Did you have any backups? I did. I'm going with the classic. I'll tell you something. Something I've never told anyone. When I was 15, I went to Macedonia on a school trip to the site of Alexander the Great's palace, and for the first time in my whole life, I felt, I felt like I was home. I I was home. I can't speak. This place was where I belonged. Years later, I got friendly with a hypnotherapist, Donald, and I told him about Alexander the Great thing. And he he said that he'd regress me back through my past lives. I was dubious, but I let him put me under. It turned out my instincts were absolutely correct. I had lived a past life in Macedonia. That palace was my home. Because, believe it or not, Lister, he told me that in a past incarnation, I was Alexander the Great's chief eunuch. He was. Very nice. <laughs> uh, did anybody have any backups? I do. I've got another one. But I'll, I'll, I'll let someone else go first. Thank you very much. The distress call. Why do you say May Day? It's only a bank holiday. Why not say Shrove Tuesday or Ascension Sunday? Ascension Sunday. Attention Sunday, <laughs> 15 Wednesday after Pentecost, 15 Wednesday after Pentecost. <laughs> Twelve? You can't have been a full member of the golf club then. <laughs> Everywhere I look, it reminds me of food. Look at these books. Charles Lamb, Herman Wok, The Complete Works of Sir Francis Bacon, mm. Eric Van Lusbader. Eric Randall's father, what's he got to do with food? Van. Meat van. Bread van. Food. <laughs> nice. All right. Are we quoted out? Nope. i got one more. Okay. <laughs> it's quite a long one. It's, it's, a, it's all about leadership. That's what she said. <laughs> hey? What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all right. I get that one. I, I was... Okay. It's all about leadership. That's what I admire. It's ironic when deep down you're such a na- basic natural coward. Coward? Planet Lee, Miranda, 
that space bar, the hacienda. Remember that? When the fight started up, Rimmer, you were out of that door quicker than a whippet with a bum full of dynamite. <laughs> that was a barroom brawl. It was a common pub fight, a shambolic, drunken set to. Which you started. I just made an innocuous comment. I merely voiced the rumour that Mick Williams was sexually tilted in favour of sleeping with the dead. I didn't start that rumour. I merely voiced it. To his face. Right to his face. When he was with his four biggest mates. Then you did your roadrunner act and left me to face the music. Nice. I actually have one more. Okay. Go ahead. Well, before you do, I would just like to point out that every Firefly fan knows that Miranda has bigger problems than ballroom uh, ball, barroom brawls. Am I right? I'm stand by you on this one. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. I told you I'm the Paul York guy. Anyway, alright. Um, Hi, bye! One last yes. <laughs> We're going to die, aren't we? How much food is there? There's half a bag of soggy smoky bacon crisps, a tin of mustard powder, a brown lemon, three water biscuits, two bottles of vinegar, and a tube of Bongella gum ointment. Gum ointment? Yeah, it was in the first aid box. It's that minty flavour, it's quite nice. It's quite nice if you want to smear it on your mouth also, but you can't sit down and eat it. You may have to. That's it. There's nothing else. Just a pot noodle. Oh, and I found a tin of dog food in the tool cupboard. Well, pretty obvious what gets eaten last. I can't stand pot noodles. <laughs> nice. Alright. Uh, well, so those are our quotes. We have rated. I believe we are about ready to wrap this one up. So, thank you for listening. I hope that uh, there will be uh, fewer fears that we're going to suddenly abandon the show because one episode didn't hit us the right way. Because uh, we absolutely love this one. And uh, you know what? I have a theory that we're uh, going to like the next really? one too. Really? We just may. Uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, Jay, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me on the Shane Pool podcast, starring Paul York. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you. Hey, we would love for them to talk more too. I get exhausted. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, they would spoil us all to heck if they said all that they could say. So. Oh, thank you for having Age. me on. I really appreciate it. You guys do a great job. We appreciate it, Jay. Uh, And thank you all out there in uh, web radio land for listening. We will see you next week when we talk about what episode, uh, Shane? What episode? The episode that we have been referring to all throughout this particular (laughs) episode. I know, but pretend that we have. (laughs) It's not called Polymorph. I was going to do it in a second. Uh, Polymorph. Polymorph. And I think this one is about (laughs) a wizard... Yeah, this one is about a wizard who uh, can uh, change any shape. Uh, no, wait, that's something. <laughs> Actually, you will be pleased to know that before we watched Polymorph, Angela and I thought of this very situation and wrote down exactly what we thought would happen. Fantastic. Okay. So I will go ahead and read those out. I have them right here. Our best guesses. My guess was a random energy field causes Cat, and why not, to randomly transform in hilarious ways, much to his chagrin. A 
Angela theorized that a random energy being changes shape impersonating Red Dwarf crew for unknown purposes. Hilarity ensues. No one ever figures it out except for Rimmer, but no one believes his story of aliens. Angela was quite nearly spot on. Close enough. However, the cat did go through a transformation in the show, so I wasn't completely wrong. All right. Well, that's what we got, and uh, thank you for listening. We will see you next week, or in a few minutes, depending on your point of view. <laughs> Bye! Bye-bye, everybody! Bye! Bye! Bye.